0: Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church Podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. I'd like to uh, read our scripture passage this morning for us as we begin in Mark 16. And I believe I stapled over my text this morning. (laughs) We'll fix that during the prayer. Little preacher trick. Mark 16, 1 through 8, this morning is where we will be reading. As we begin, Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb for they were afraid. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this beautiful Easter morning. We thank you for death and resurrection. That however it happened early that morning, All that was past, all that is present, all that will be future in creation itself and the whole of the cosmos was changed, was infused with new possibility for death could not keep its prey. God, we will never understand the full impact and import of resurrection for our lives, but give us a glimpse of it today. Holy Spirit, come in power and catch fire in our midst and give us a glimpse of resurrection today. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, do you realize why you are here? You look good, you've dressed up, we've got a lot more pastels than a usual day. You look lovely. But do you realize why you were here? You were here because you believe, or perhaps someone in your family believes that drug you here with them. We are glad you were here if you're in that boat today. That a dead man rose to new life 2,000 years ago, and you as very smart, intelligent, capable, rational human beings still say that is true and claim to follow that man and his way today. We dress up, we get excited about resurrection as is right and good. We get excited that on Friday, death started a three count that God would not allow to finish. But at the end of the day, We go into our workplaces. We go into our families. We go into the world and say, here we are. We follow a dead man. We believe came back to life. Then you should believe too. And you should build the foundation of your life upon that man. Friends, Easter is, is hard for a preacher sometimes <laughs> because you all know the ending. <laughs> you know where it's going today, you know where we go. How do we tell this story again today? I think we need to allow a bit of the absurdity of this claim to seep into our souls and into our minds to weigh the impossibility of this day against our rational minds, against the world in which we live. And the amazing miracle that we still claim this today and claim it as not just true, but the truth of truths, the truest thing we can know is the fact of resurrection. But if you're getting at a little bit of incredulity, a little bit of the absurdity of this, I think we're in line with those first witnesses of resurrection and those apostles who struggled to believe, who struggled to take those first steps of faith that we'll get to in just a minute. But to begin with, I want to talk about Easter eggs today. Not the Easter eggs you may think of. Our kids are a little older and past the Easter egg stage where you do the endless Easter egg hunts on Easter afternoons. Some of you will do this. You will hide and you will hide and you will hide again. Last week at Extravaganza, it was amazing that in 6,000 eggs could disappear in about two minutes flat. It was astounding. But different Easter eggs, if you are a, a movie buff, a video game aficionado, a computer nerd extraordinaire. You may know about these type of Easter eggs. Uh, Beginning maybe in the 70s, Movie directors, video game designers, computer programmers in movies, and video games, in software they were building, uh, began, they got a little bored, I guess. They wanted to put layers into things, so they included little secrets in many of their works. The first was in 1973 in a game, I think it was called Moon Landing, it was a simple, simple game where you just tried to land on the moon. But if you went horizontal enough for long enough, way longer than you should have, you should showed up at a secret McDonald's on the moon, and if you landed, you had a whole other game where your little astronaut got out and went to the McDonald's and ordered and came back in, but you had to know the secrets. Uh, other video games have this, Google loves this. Google puts all sorts of Easter eggs onto their homepage. At one point, if you Googled how to get from China to the US, it involved taking a jet ski across the Pacific where the, op- the directions that was given. And then this is there, you can, those of you who have your phones out, those of you struggling not to Google something on your phone, here's your get out of jail free card. You can Google this right now, I give you permission. Brooks Holmeyer, I'm giving you permission to get on your phone during worship today. Google, do a barrel roll, do a barrel roll and just see what Google does. It's a little Easter egg, it's not, it's secretive, but you can find it uh, in in different movies. Mel Brooks makes an appearance in all of his movies, often uncredited and hidden. Uh, um, Stan Lee, the creator of Marvel Comics did the same things. Easter eggs are, are little secrets, but often hidden in plain sight that needs some outside knowledge or outside experience to see them. But once you see them, you never see the game the same way again. You never see the movie the same way again. It's kind of insider baseball, insider knowledge that is there. I thought of Easter eggs as I read through Mark's gospel this week. You know, when we get to the cross, it hits the disciples as defeat. They seem defeated, don't they? And yet if we read back a little bit further in Mark's, or earlier rather, in Mark's gospel, we see Jesus drop what we might call Easter eggs, Secrets hidden in plain sight, uncoded for the disciples later on that tells exactly what is going to happen on him to him in remarkable detail, and yet they don't get it. These little Easter eggs hidden by Jesus. We get one in Mark 8. We have this high moment in Mark 8 where, where Jesus asks, who do people say I am? And they go through that and Peter says, but you are the Christ. We have this first confession of who Jesus is, this wonderful high moment. And then Jesus immediately turns and tells them, and Mark writes in chapter eight, he began to teach them, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected, he must be killed, and after three days rise again. It's pretty clear. Jesus, who spoke in stories. Jesus, who answered questions with stories and other questions. Jesus, who often, you know, told people not to tell what's going on, lays it out fairly clear here. We get to Mark 9, uh, the story of transfiguration, we call it. When Jesus took the inner group of disciples up on the mountain and Moses and Elijah appeared and they talked with Jesus as old friends and and Jesus transformed, his figure changed before them. And they're on the way down the mountain talking about this. And Jesus warned them, Peter, James, and John, not to say anything to anyone until he had risen from the dead. Now, that's not a normal thing to say. What an odd thing to say. And they discussed amongst themselves, what did that mean? Is that a metaphor for something? Is it an illustration? Is Jesus quoting something? Surely it couldn't mean when he rises from the dead. It could mean anything but that. And then we get to Mark 10. They're they're right before the triumphal entry in the last week of Jesus' life. They're on the way to Jerusalem. And he's, and Jesus kind of stops and pulls them aside. We, I get the image, right? Like off the side of the road. Hey, huddle up one more thing before we get there. We are going to Jerusalem. And the son of man, code for Jesus, will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. I mean, this is a week before it happens or about a week before it happens. And yet, when Jesus' arrest and torture and death do come, the disciples and most of those closest to Jesus receive it as shock and defeat. They scatter. We know the stories. Depending on your gospel version, the details are a little different, but but either all of them or maybe all but one of those disciples are not present at the crucifixion. Only this group of women remain that in Mark remain largely nameless. In fact, Mark doesn't even really mention these women disciples, these women followers of Jesus until all of the disciples are gone. (laughs) And it's kind of like, oh, by the way, there's also this faithful group of women that have been here helping throughout this journey. This isn't Good Friday, so we won't dwell on the cross. We've done that, but we know the story. Two days later, when Sabbath was complete, the next morning, these faithful women went to the tomb to care for Jesus' body. Now, Don't look over this fact too quickly. He was just executed by Rome, this man. It was a seditious and dangerous act to show up at the tomb that morning. There would have been spies. You would have been uh, this man killed for blasphemy, this man killed for sedition, for any number of things that were brought up against him. You're allying yourself with him by showing up at the tomb that morning. And yet they show up, but don't get it wrong. They show up with death on their minds. They are not expecting what is about to the come, about to come. They come with the spices. They come prepared for the rituals of death, because they had watched for hours as Jesus died, a very real and very awful and very full and complete death. They're so occupied with the business of death that they don't even think about this massive tomb in front of the, or massive stone, rather, in front of the tomb that needed to be rolled away. And yet they show up and it is rolled away. We wonder what they thought at that point. Grave robbers, Roman soldiers, Pharisees, what what did they expect when they stepped inside? They stepped inside, and in Mark's gospel, the, the tomb isn't empty. There's this man in white. Certainly, uh, the, everything about this seems to be an angelic appearance. And he says, he says, It's funny, they are alarmed. And he says, Do not be alarmed, wonderfully answering their feeling. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid them? These simple words, the most beautiful, the most powerful, the most important words that have ever been uttered, this announcement, words of life in this place of tried and true death. And he gives them a mission. Before he gives them a chance to think or respond, he immediately puts them on mission. Go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you. He being Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee, the home base where it all started. There you will see him just as he told you this little hint of remember, remember what he's told you. He he gave you the, the answers to the test on this. Just think back to the lecture. And then amazingly, they are scared into silence. They fear, they tremble and they tell no one. The story at the tomb in Mark ends without an appearance of Jesus. The disciples markedly absent and the women scared silent. Jesus is alive and no one knows what to do about it. And this is the question of Easter. Jesus is alive, what in the world are we to do about it? Jesus is alive, what are we going to do about it? This is the question of Easter, that women had a choice. Now, again, if we can, which is an impossibility, erase 2000 years of history from our mind and remember that the last thing we saw was Jesus' 12 hour death. And we were there for every bloody, gory, miserable, pain-filled, agonizing minute of it. Etch that into your minds. And then we have this man in white say, go tell the disciples he is alive and he's already in Galilee, a 100-mile trip north, and he's waiting for you. Jesus is on the move. You better catch up. The women had a choice. Could they believe this impossible message? At some point, friends, we're given this impossible, improbable, absurd message. That Jesus is risen, and we respond in Christian history. He is risen indeed. Our affirmation that we believe this and we build our lives on this truth of all truths. That's the truest thing we know, the foundation of our existence. And we have the choice to reject it as impossible, a fancy story to get dressed up and drag out once a year, you know, for, for history's sake, right? For grandma and grandma's sake. Or resurrection does its work in us. And we begin to hope. And we begin to new dr- dream new dreams and see new possibilities in the world. The women at the tomb are silent for a time, but resurrection begins to do its work on them. First, maybe they spoke among themselves. Uh, Did you see what I see? (laughs) Did you hear what I heard? And what in the world could that, okay, it wasn't hallucination, we all saw it. A word too good to be true. I mean, a hope they dare not give voice to. For if it was true, their grief was a farce. If it is true, what Jesus said about who he was, what they hope Jesus was, is true. They take that step, first step of obedience to begin to discuss among themselves and they mustered the courage for that second step to go to the disciples all huddled up in their anxiety and fear and to say, this is what happened this morning. And maybe at this point, some of those Easter eggs came to mind. You know, Peter got a lot wrong, but he was pretty quick on the draw too, negatively and positively. I mean, maybe... They begin to say, wait, remember back in Mark 8? <laughs> you know, remember back in Mark 9, Mark 10? No, remember on the mountain when he talked about rising again? Remember right before? And hope bloomed. And they took that next step of obedience, that hundred mile journey to Galilee. And they found Jesus, or more accurately, Jesus found them. And these folks spend the rest of their lives following the resurrected Christ. Friends, the mission given to the women at the tomb is the same given to us today. Jesus is risen. Jesus is on the loose. Jesus is on the move. Jesus is out ahead of us in the world. And he calls us to tell people and to catch up to where he's at work to go join him where he is at work this is the work of our lives we're called to stake our life and build our life on this claim that the son of god died on a cross And rose to new life and calls us to believe and we are called to lose our life in serving him. We may have any number of careers. We may have any number of life choices. We may do this any number of places in time and in space and yet the call is the same. No matter who we are, no matter what we spend our days doing, no matter any of these things, we are called to lose our life following this resurrected Jesus. To believe this is the truth of all This is the path to life and life to the fullest. That this life of following Christ isn't a life of of do's and don'ts and is a life of of miserly judgment on others or on ourselves. It's a life of love and it's a life of grace. It's a life of abundance. It's life to the fullest. Serving our families, serving our coworkers, serving our neighbors, serving others in the world. This is the call. And if we follow, you know, resurrection is also often like it was for those women. It it stuns us. (laughs) It seems too much. And it often comes to us in waves. It often maybe comes to us a a bit at a time and and we take small steps of obedience. All right, I'm going to, Talk about this with a friend. You know, this is what I'm thinking. What does that sound like to you? Or we take a step of obedience and how Christ is leading us and God meets us there and God meets us there and that obedience grows, that life of resurrection grows. And if we will follow, we have the promise that Jesus is always going before us, welcoming us, beckoning us forward into his loving presence, meeting us through the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever we may go. We walk in faith and as we follow, we discover Christ like a not so well hidden Easter egg, wherever we go. When we follow Christ in our homes, And in conversations with our children and grandchildren, as we eat dinner and as we we sweep the floors and go through life, we mysteriously find Christ there with us. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we we show up at work and we have any number of responsibilities and goals at work and, and our minds are pulled any number of different ways. And yet we find Christ there waiting on us, already at work in the people we work with, seeking us to join him there. We go to pray and there Christ is waiting to hear our prayer, waiting to meet us in that space. There we go to the hospital to have the dreaded surgery and we find Christ waiting for us there. There we go to the funeral home, And because of resurrection, we can shake our fist in the face of death and say, death does not win this eternal battle. And Christ is there, afflictions eclipsed by glory. There Christ is out ahead of us, wherever we go, beckoning us gently to follow. Friends, we are called this morning to trust in the power of resurrection and then go and follow. Church, will you believe? Let me pray for us. God, we pray again that you will reveal a bit of the power of resurrection to us this morning. that wherever we are in our life, wherever we are in our faith journey, God, you will infuse our spirit with a bit of hope, a bit of love, a bit of forgiveness, a bit of grace, a bit of mercy, a heap of salvation, God, that would draw us closer to you. In your name we pray, amen. hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.